Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today for episode two of Breadfruit Juice. We want to thank everyone who tuned in last week and a special thank you to everyone who got in touch and left me feedback. Now, um, we want to keep improving and making the show better for you guys and more polished for everyone. So that kind of feedback is very valuable to us. Now, we do want to encourage you as well to uh, leave us leave, leave us feedback on uh, Twitter at Breadfruit Show and Breadfruit Ace and also on our SoundCloud and Anchor pages as well. Um, if SoundCloud isn't an option for you. So um, I've left all those notes in, all those links rather in the show notes. So you guys can go check that out when you have a chance. I'm also going to be looking into getting the show published on various platforms. So we can also reach a wider audience. And I will be making those announcements around that and around those things as soon as we have more um, information. Now, before we jump into the, to today's discussion, I do want to let you guys know about a little bit of a format change. Based on some of the feedback that I was given, I thought that it would be very valuable to structure the show a little bit more so it could be a little bit more focused and give you guys a little bit of an expectation. So we're actually going to be discussing things around two segments. The first segment, I'm going to call it the pot. And then, of course, we're going to have a segment called Shame Bench. Shame Bench was Ace's idea and... Um, Shame Bench was a huge hit with everyone who listened to the show last week. So I thought, why not make a segment about that? And we'll explain about those segments in just a little bit. The pot is the portion of the episode where we just kind of dish on a topic we discuss and the topic itself at hand. We express opinions, we speculate, and uh, we generally just vent on that topic that we've chosen. Anyone Grenadian listening to the show will know what a pot is anytime folks get together to do a, a cookout. They call it um, putting on a pot. So, and, and depending on what they cook, whether it's a palau or um, oil dung or whatever it is, they just kind of put a whole bunch of stuff in the pot and they cook it up. So that's, that's where the idea comes from. So everything just gets thrown in. We cook everything up. We talk about it. And uh, Shame Bench is a portion of the episode where we find stories of just criminally dumb people who display elite levels of stupidity, whether it's criminals or people who get caught up in stupid, embarrassing scandals. We then judge them in our court of public opinion, and then we decide whether they're guilty or not. If we find them guilty, we pass judgment, and we put them on shame bench. Without further ado, this is The Pot. The topic today, as you would have seen from the show notes, is participation trophies. As everyone knows, the World Cup concluded week before last, or recently, with France winning. They beat Croatia four to two. France walked away. With, France walked away with a mind-blowing thirty-eight million dollars in cash, with an M, while Croatia went home with a respectable twenty-eight million. So I, I think that's pretty good, considering this is, of course, elite levels of sport. Did you say million with an M? Million with an M, as opposed to million with a B. <laughs> Were you concerned that someone I was concerned that someone might get it? So <laughs> they walk away with they walk away with with thirty eight million dollars in cash. Okay, that's that's a pretty decent chunk of change. Croatia went home with uh, you know, not as much, but still respectable twenty eight million. Now France also walked away with a trophy, obviously the World Cup trophy, which 
by you know through research is worth around 20 million so it also is ugly well that's a matter of opinion and that's not what we're here to discuss i don't want to <laughs> kick my door down Wait, this, this is an opinion this this no. is, i i think it's this an is opinion. All factual some people some people like the trophy either way that kind of got me to thinking about participation trophies what would what would it be like how how would that team feel if every team that took part in the contest won the same amount in cash prizes um let's let's just say 11 million is 11 players on a soccer team 1 million per player or even okay let's double it 2 million per player 22 million per team how would how would that look first of all if everyone won the same amount of money or everyone won one of those 20 million dollar trophies so that's what we're going to be discussing today um, on the show. My thing is, these athletes spend years and years training and preparing for for this this elite level and this elite contest. Obviously, some of them spend their entire lives training and practicing and conditioning themselves. And um, you know, if you if if you were one of these players, how how pissed would you be if you did all that work, you advanced through the ranks, you won the whole thing. And then you walk away with the same prize as everyone else, essentially having your your efforts minimized. Like, how would that make you feel? Thoughts? I think that's a really good point. I think that uh, what you said about someone who tries harder and puts all that effort in, you know, to keep their body in peak physical condition, to train, to reach that level. And, and some people, I think, would argue against that. And I'm kind of being devil's advocate to say, well, what if they're not working harder? What if it's just like a natural gift of talent that they have? But to that, I would say, well, you know, what if someone who is smart is just smart naturally? Like they're just math comes super easy for them or, you know, they can write brilliant essays or something like that. We 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 don't qualify someone's intelligence like their ability saying oh this guy studied really hard and he's smart so we appreciate that but this guy is just naturally smart so we don't care about that and it's the same thing if these some of these guys are naturally talented maybe they don't have to work as hard and some of them work really hard to get what they are but the fact of the matter is they still have accomplished something with their abilities and uh, that should definitely be rewarded what do you think 100 percent. i mean i can i can tie this back to personal experience in my own life and anyone who knows me or has known me from childhood will tell you that I'm not an athlete I was never an athlete in recent memory I can't remember a time when I could be considered an athlete I did play I did play football soccer to everyone else I did play football <laughs> as, a, as a child I, I was I would say maybe around the age of nine or ten and um, I went to, I played, I played football on Saturday morning. I went to, I, I always remember this. I went to the Nat Simpson soccer school. And I remember my, my, my mom, my parents sending both myself and my brother to the school. Now, I didn't have any talent, okay? I was slow. I was lazy. I was not very motivated. I was not disciplined. And I didn't take to this, I didn't take to it well because I didn't want to. So I was the complete opposite of some of these players where they're talented and they're also um, dedicated and they're committed. So, and of course, Saturday morning was when all the good cartoons were on TV. So that was part of the reason I hated going to this, to this place, right? <laughs> I never had 
just in a general sense, from what I remember, West Indian people, Caribbean parents, they don't believe in the whole participation trophy thing. As, as at least my mom, my mom, my mom did not believe in it. My mom was always like, "Listen, you if you don't work hard, you don't get anywhere. You don't win. You're not recognized." And this showed up in every aspect of my life, especially the academic. Any Caribbean child will tell you academics is was a very, very, very important part of our lives. And if you didn't work hard, you didn't get recognized. You know, first, second, third in, in class or in school, especially, you didn't get recognized. So we don't we don't have that. We don't have that. Or at least when I was growing up, we didn't really have that culture. So it was pretty it was pretty straightforward. You either work performed and were recognized or you didn't work. You didn't do well or perform, you were not recognized. There was no in-between, if that makes sense. I can definitely identify with that. I played a lot of sports, baseball, basketball, football, and running later on. And I was terrible at all of them. You can ask anyone. I think there there may even be some some video footage. I'm not sure. but We should get some <laughs> of that footage. I think we get want our, to see that. We'll get our uh, research team on that immediately. But you're, you're right. It's... There was a season when I played, I played basketball or baseball for many seasons, like the local, they call them Pop Warner teams. And I do believe there was one year when they gave out trophies for everyone. And I remember getting it and looking at it and being like, oh, that's neat that I have a trophy, but I can't tell you where that trophy is now, obviously, because I didn't keep it because it meant nothing to me because we sucked as a team. And at the end of the day, when we all got trophies, the trophy to me was nothing because I didn't do anything. I didn't work hard. I wasn't good at baseball. Our team wasn't any good. And so having that trophy meant exactly nothing to me. And I think that's what, you know, the big thing about participation trophies, I think there's three things to consider. They devalue excellence, as you kind of mentioned, um, and the importance of training. And the, the biggest thing I think they are for children is competition mm-hmm. and winning and losing, especially losing, important for kids because they need to learn how to lose with grace. Um, I see this even in my own children with board games and things like that. When they lose, they are just miserable. They hate it. They don't like, they don't like to play with me a lot of the time because I don't cut corners. What do we play? I played uh, chess with my son and uh, I just was like devastating him. Every piece, just taking him off. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, no, we play for keeps in this family. You do not quit. You will play until you're decimated and it's over. But I, I, you know, it's it was funny, but it's important for them to lose because they can see that I didn't put forth everything I had or I didn't have enough training. There's things that I can improve. I made mistakes. And then I'm, I want I want to win. I want to see what it's like to get a trophy. I want to be the number one. So I'm going to try harder. And I think that that's it's a very important thing to instill in kids at an early age, because if you don't, can you imagine how difficult it is to make like a 25 year old learn to do that? Well, yeah, I think I think it also sets a it sets a sets up an incorrect expectation that one will will win a prize for not trying or not doing anything. And think about think about how that could potentially translate into into other portions and other areas of, of that person's life. And this, to me, the biggest, the biggest word that pops into mind is entitlement. Essentially, you give someone something for free without them working for it, and you do it over and over again, then they start expecting to receive 
a prize for either minimal or zero effort. And in my research, when I, I looked up participation trophies, it seems that just from a general standpoint, people seem to be split down the middle about participation trophies. There's surveys that and research that has been done in, in a lot of these surveys and, and, and research programs or whatnot, whatever you call them, there seems to be a 50-50 split. Half believe in them and the other half don't. And the ones that don't believe in it, they're, they believe in it for the, or they don't believe in it rather for the same reasons that, that you and I do now. Obviously, I'm not telling anyone how to raise their children because I would never do that. It's not for me to say how one should raise their child. But I'm just saying that I think there's psychological effects of, of rewarding number one behavior that shouldn't be rewarded or rewarding, re- rewarding mediocre performances or performances that, that, don't, that don't merit a reward. And then it goes back to the whole entitlement thing. They start expecting to receive that thing. They start thinking that, hey, I don't have to work for this thing, but I'm going to get it anyway. And how does that translate into something like the workforce? Imagine John Smith doesn't work hard for his for for a promotion, but he he expects that he he should get promoted to manager or whatever it is. But he doesn't put in the time. He just puts in the bare minimum. He leaves as soon as it hits six o'clock. But his coworker works harder than him, gets the promotion, but he expected to get it, and he, that could that's going to create tension in the workplace. Even though his sure. coworker worked harder for it, earned it. But he's been, you know, let's say he's been a participation trophy kid his whole life and he doesn't get this trophy that he thinks he deserves for not and for, for no effort. How is that going to affect the relationship between those coworkers and how is that going to affect the, the environment at work? Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. And also the, at the end of the day, I think that the argument for the other side would be something about self-esteem. And they would say that if kids get discouraged early on because they can't be the best or they can't be the winner, then they won't participate or they won't want to be a part of it or they'll feel bad about themselves for not achieving it because they'll see other people getting things that they don't get. And I think that it's important that while you don't, like as you said, reward mediocrity or just say that regardless of what you achieve, that here's a, a prize, I think that you can still value and let the person know that they're valued without them getting what the winners get like my my children know that they their value to to us is not dependent upon their performance it's you know i always tell my kids you know just try your best do the best that you can and that's the most important thing and you know that doesn't mean that you win all the time but it means that you could be happy with what you've achieved and if you want to be the winner that's when you put in more 100% 100% agree with you there. You meant you you mentioned something and it gave me a thought. I believe and I feel that the conditioning, the the psychological conditioning that comes about, first of all it's damaging due to the incorrect expectation, but it doesn't prepare anyone for how things work in the real world. In the real world, especially in a society as competitive as here in the states, American society is extremely competitive. Businesses and, and people compete constantly and you have to be you have to be the best to stand out. Either you have to be the best at what you do, provide the best service, or you have to be the most unique. That's what I have found. And I found that to be the case consistently. Now, this whole participation trophy thing, it doesn't set people up realistically and doesn't prepare them for the world because they go out there thinking they can put in bare minimum and still stand apart, still stand out. And they're going to be sorely disappointed when they go out there. They're not doing their best. They don't get rewarded. And it's completely 
opposite to what's been happening to them for their entire life. So I think that anyone who believes and practices the whole participation trophy lifestyle, if you will, I think they're, they're setting up their children for failure. They're not, they're not preparing them for life in the real world. Ironically, by not preparing them to accept failure, they are preparing them to accept failure for their entire life. That's exactly, and I, I couldn't have said I couldn't have said that better myself, honestly. And and I, I really will say that I'm so glad that growing up the way I did, because I was always taught that listen, if you don't perform, you don't work hard. You one, you're not gonna get anywhere, and two, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get recognized. And like you said, it taught me how to lose gracefully. And I'll I'll, I'll share with you guys a, a, an experience that I had with not not with participation trophies, but just with with losing. Now, this would have happened when I was, I would say, maybe hmm, eight, nine years old. I was in primary school and there was this uh, a meet, like a sports meet of kids from different primary schools. And I remember being sports chosen. Meet. Did they sell that at the, the grocery store? Yes. It sounds delicious. <laughs> so it's the sports meet. And first of all, I don't know why they chose me, okay? They want to choose the slowest, the the most sluggish, the least athletic. I think maybe I think maybe they wanted me to be the face of the school. Beauty before athleticism. So they picked me, I don't know why, and they announced this thing weeks in advance. So the weeks leading up to it, I'm like training, I'm going to the field, I'm running, I'm practicing, I'm getting stronger every day. I'm you know, I'm doing all this stuff, you know, because I'm committed to it. I want to do well. I don't want to embarrass my school. So I do, you know, I I get stronger and stronger every day. I I train, I go the day of the race. I make sure I get down there early. I scope out the track. I'm doing all this at nine years old, right? And you scoped out the track? Did it appear to be a giant circle? It was a giant circle, but I had to, I had to know my angles. Like I had to know, I had to know how I was going to run it, you know? But anyways, so (laughs) gun goes off. Left word turn is how you're going to run that. Exactly. But there's strategy to it. Okay. Like you, you have to be an athlete to understand the strategy that's involved. But either way, that's a whole other You are not an athlete. I was an athlete in my mind. Anyways, you're ruining my story. So gun goes off. I'm running. It's like a whole, I think it's like one, it was one revolution around a track. My training paid off. I came in first. I beat everyone. Is how I would like to see that story went. That story did not go that way at all. As a matter of fact, it couldn't have gone any worse. I can't imagine how it could have gone worse. I actually came dead last in that race because I didn't practice. I didn't train. I didn't do any of that stuff. I, I just made up that whole story. My point is, I didn't win a thing. As a matter of fact, I'm sure everyone forgot about me as soon as that race was done. That gap between me and the person in front of me was so large, you could have driven a Mack truck through it. It was like a good 15 or 20 seconds gap between that person in front of me and when I crossed that finish line. That's how terribly I did. Did you take so long that they accidentally started the other race when you were still trying to finish? That's the only way I could think of that it could have gone worse than it did. I didn't even get one of those crappy medals that they cut out from 
you know, those cheap dollar store paper plates. And then they put like a, like one of those cheap ribbons on it. I didn't even get one. They, they glue, you know, the ones where they glue the cheap ribbon onto like the paper, the, the dollar store paper plate metal. Like I didn't even get one of those. That's how, that's how crappy I was. I didn't even get one of those. But you know what? I learned an important lesson that day. I learned that in order to avoid embarrassment and not get put on shame bench, I was going to practice the next time and I was going to, I was going to run a proper race. Even if I didn't come first, maybe I would, I would have settled for third or fourth, whatever, but at least I would not have come last. Thanks to my mom, to my parents for the culture that I grew up in for not giving me a participation trophy, because again, like you said, I would never have appreciated all of the little, the small victories that I, that I did in fact win. In this next section coming up is a little something we like to call shame bench. All right. So in this, in, in this first, first installment of shame bench, I saw this story really, really weird, funny, kind of offbeat. It, it's a bit of an older story. It's from 2014. It was posted on a, it was, it was uploaded, rather. It was uploaded on Huffington Post under weird news from November 21st, 2014. And they, I, I swear I'm not making this up. The headline goes, two charged with terroristic threatening over dog poop. All right. <laughs> Here's how that goes. So apparently, two Maui residents were so upset at finding dog poop in their yard on Sunday that they allegedly menaced a neighbor with golf clubs. The Maui News reports that Aaron Steen, 38, and Candice DePonte, 32, blamed their neighbor for planting the dog feces in their yard and approached her while hurling obscenities and wielding golf clubs. The alleged victim was reported appraising damage to her car's windshield when DePonte entered the car and then followed the dog owner into her house, further threatening to harm her. This earned the point. Yeah, like they're serious about this whole dog poop thing. But th- this also goes on to say that this earned the Ponte a charge of first degree, t- <laughs> first degree terroristic threatening, as well as first degree burglary and first degree unauthorized entry to a f- uh, to a vehicle felonies both. So we already know that that's two, if she's convicted, that's two felonies under her belt right there, which means it's going to be super hard for her to get a job down the line. Okay, that's, we already know that. Two suspects are now prohibited from contacting the dog owner or going near her house. So I think I'm going to weigh in on this. Honestly, here in Brooklyn, people, people don't know they don't, first of all, they don't know about leash laws and they don't know, no one believes in cleaning up after their dog. I can't tell you how many times I'm walking down the street, I'll see someone walking their dog and it's usually those really tiny yappy dogs like the Chihuahuas and the, and the Teacup Yorkies. It's usually Disgusting. one of those. Oh my gosh. I Listen. Hi, I'm going to buy a dog that's completely white fur and hopefully he won't become a disgusting yellow color after a couple months. You know what? That wouldn't even be the issue. That wouldn't even be an issue for me, I should say. My issue is really with people who don't clean up after their dog. I mean, I can I can say that I see with 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 Mr. Steen and Ms. DePonte. Okay, they were pissed off that this person, you know, they had this dog that took a, allegedly, okay, allegedly, allegedly. 
took uh, what amounted to a dump in their yard. Okay, I know there's no way to prove it, but I can I I have to say, listen, I see with them for being pissed off for having dog poop in your yard. Now, what I don't agree with the reaction to it. Okay, like obviously. If you have proof and you see someone dumping dog crap in your yard or their dog is taking a dump in your yard and you see them and you have evidence and you can hold, you can prove that in court, fine. Don't go after them with a golf club. That's, that's kind of dumb. It's not, honestly, it's not smart. It's not a smart thing to attack people. And um, they got arrested. And, and, and what, you know what I've, I've, I tend to find that criminals, a lot of them, they don't tend to be criminal masterminds. Am I right? <laughs> I think you're right. See, your problem is in Brooklyn, there's, you have this gross dog poop issue. Um, you should come uh, downtown. It's delightful. I hardly ever see dog poop. Now, human feces, yes, but very rarely dog. I've actually seen that once in a subway. It was on the C train at West 23rd Street between 8th and 9th Avenue. And it happened to be one of those exit-only subway um, exits <laughs> where you couldn't turn around and be exactly it was oh wow 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 it was one <laughs> of those it was one of those exit only subway entrances or exits rather where you couldn't you couldn't go back so we kind of had to and it was in the middle of like the the second stair to the top so we had to the step over stair. it the second stair before the top or the first before the top Stair number two. <laughs> stair, number, stair number two. Exactly. It was stair number two. Going back to this thing, like, listen, anyone, anyone listening, I implore you. If you have a dog, you walk your dog and you don't, your dog does number two, it goes number two. Even if it's in the grass in front of somebody's house, it's just respectful to clean up after your dog because you wouldn't like it if someone was walking their dog and their dog took a crap in front of your house or on your lawn or in the street by the curb in front of your house. Like you don't like it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And anyone listening to this, I, I will, I will always say that. I, I haven't owned a dog since I've lived in New York. So that's not an issue that I have, but I will say that I will gladly clean up after my dog because one, a little bit goes a long way and it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a lot to be nice and to have some, some consideration for people it looks like you would put all parties involved on shame bench i would i would put everyone in this scenario on shame bench okay just off the fact that one whoever this person was that allegedly planted quote unquote dog poop on this person's lawn i mean something we're not we're obviously not getting the whole story there something happened and dog excretions ended up on this person's lawn and then we have the other people going after them with golf clubs, which is not is not a smart move. And 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 I know personally of another story where someone, someone a friend, someone I would consider a friend, went after someone else with a golf club, and that whole situation didn't end well. What's the verdict? Guilty. All right, that was the first installment of Shame Bench. And I don't remember if I if I if I mentioned this before, 
but we are also going to be changing the release date from Friday to Monday. The reason for that is that gives me more time to to edit everything together and, and polish it up real nice and get it ready for you guys. First thing, best case scenario, first thing Monday morning or worst case scenario sometime during the day. So I hope, I mean, that's not going to be a problem. It'll just be a little something to to look forward to on Sunday night to kind of get your week going. We all know how terrible Mondays are. So if you can wake up with a hearty glass of breadfruit juice, that's going to set your week off on a good trajectory. Get your week's recommended intake of breadfruit juice. And vitamin Ace. I like it. We're keeping that. <laughs> Guys, we do want to thank everyone who joined in today. We, um, we hope you learned something. And again, thanks to everyone who left feedback on last week's episode. We also want to encourage you to do the same thing for this episode. Feel free to tweet us at Breadfruit Show or at Breadfruit Ace. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Feedback does help us to grow and improve, and we do want to make this the best show we possibly can for you guys. Drop us a line. Tell us a story about a time you got a participation trophy. Maybe I know there's... I really feel like there's some of you out there and I, I want to hear your story. I want to know, I want to know how it went. Did you feel like you deserved it or did you feel guilty or wrong for taking it home because you knew you didn't earn that trophy? Eventually when we do start getting enough stories, we'll probably try to work those into a third segment on the show, which we're not sure what we're going to call yet. We also are trying to keep the episodes a lot shorter because 46 minutes, our first episode was pretty long and it was even I thought it was a difficult listen. So we're going to try, we're going to try and keep things a little light, you know, maybe keep it 25, 30 minutes, a nice little commute into work, have a laugh and enjoy the rest of your day. So next week, you're going to love this. We're doing something fun. Those of you who don't know me, I love retro cartoons, 80s and 90s. So it's stuff like the OG Thundercats cartoon, SWAT cats, cops, pirates of dark water, those those cartoons. Oh. Yeah. We're gonna talk about some of my favorites, why I like them, why we feel that cartoons today are for the most part trash compared to old school cartoons. We're also gonna test Ace's knowledge of old school cartoon themes. So I hope you're ready for that. Oh prepare to be amazed shocked and possibly appalled we'll see we'll see so guys until next time shut your mouth and drink your juice <laughs>